Well, welcome to the book of Ephesians, because that's what Paul's doing. And so as I started our time in Ephesians, I began with you in Ephesians chapter 3, the end of 3 and the first of 4, where it's walk worthy. And I was ready to go to the rocket verbs today, but guess what? I changed my mind. Because I can't talk to us about walking worthy if we don't talk to us about what, who are we in Christ to get us to be worthy. And so I couldn't go and talk to the verbs until I did this one. So today I want to talk about being seated in Him. Because us in Him and all that He's done for us, that's our motivation to live different, to walk worthy. So if you'd stand, we're going to read God's Word together again. i like us to do in honor of what He wants us to hear. Wherever you are in your faith walk with Him, I want us to be together as we read together Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 5 through verse 9. And here's what God's Word says we read together. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that as we Listen to your spirit speak among us. First of all, you have freedom here today to speak to our hearts. We invite you to do that. And so speak clearly. We want to listen in Jesus' name. Amen. You all be seated. Well, Jason, I need a little help. I've asked you to come. I need you to usher someone to come up here so you know who you're going to get. If you proceed to find us somebody to come and be in the chair. You know, this message, Christianity, as you're thinking about, as he's meditating on who, (laughs) you know, Christianity for some people is the big do. Oh, buddy. (laughs) Usher him up here, help him. Now, you got to usher him. And Jordan, I, a little bit more of the usher look. i got to have some usher look here. Usher, there we, there we go. That's what I want. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Good to have you up here for the next 30 minutes. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Can I go get my cup? <laughs> yeah, I tell you, we're the kind of place. Jordan, you want to bring you over his cup? Do you really you have a cup down there? Oh, you're just kidding. Okay, I, would, I mean, I'd, if you wanted your cup, I'd do it. Okay, back to where I was starting. The Christian faith for a lot of people is the big do. But I want you to know that's not the story of the Bible. That's not the message that God wants us to hear. God wants us to hear that the message of the Christian faith is the big done. And so this morning, as we begin to take apart this passage of Scripture about being seated in Christ, and I want you to know something. 
You know, he's sitting here right now, and I appreciate you being available. Uh, all his weight is being carried by this chair. I mean, you probably lift your legs. And you're, yeah, look at that good, solid chair, good, comfortable chair, I hope. Uh, now, the bad thing is, is you have to be alert. I mean, if you take a if you, short snooze, <laughs> we're all going to get to enjoy you being up here. But the chair is carrying you. You came here, and it is holding you. And so let's just see what Paul wants us to understand about the process of what we're seeing here of being seated in him. So first of all, it's God's work. We have two major jobs that God has done. Now, there's all kinds of some debate about this, and I think this is where it starts our life of faith. So that first one is that God is the creator. We have in the book of Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God wants us to hear this, in the beginning, God. It doesn't say in the beginning, anybody else, but it starts with him. And so as we have the creation story, if you've got your Bibles, I don't have this up on the screen, but I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, the very end of it, down in verse 31. We've got that God has made everything, created light, He created the earth, He created the water, the heavens, the skies, the, the animals, the all nature that's out there. And on the sixth day, he created man. And so now, after creating on six days, here's what he wants us to know, starting in verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he'd done, so that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You realize for a long time, I was always puzzled. Why does, when God talks to us about creation, he says there was evening and there was morning. He begins with the evening and then works during the day. And so he started six days ahead of time and he's done all that work in creation. And where do we show up? Where does mankind come in the creation of God? On day number six, the last day that he works, he created he created a man, and he created a woman. And he was very pleased when he saw what he had done. And the next day, what does he do? He rests. You're right. He rests. And church family, I think that's one of the, the things that I wish I'd been taught, that our relationship with God starts with rest. We rest to work. God didn't create us where we work to rest. And so here we are on the first day of the week. We're assembled together in this place. We're worshiping the Lord. And I trust that my experience and your experience is that today in Him, we get 
some rest. We get his spirit re-strengthening us, re-speaking to us, renewing us for what we're going to prepare to do tomorrow and the rest of the week as we worship him. And so we begin, just like my friend here, resting in him, resting in who he is. Now, here's my Bible. We've got this, and it starts with us resting in him, and then he gives Adam work. He says, I want you to name the, all the animals. I want you to work, and I want you to discover that you need that special partner that I've created for you, that Eve, because he's going to say, it's not good that a man lives alone. I'm going to create for him a helper, a helpmate. And so as God gets us started, we start at rest in him, and then we work. But we, I trust many of you in this room know that from this part of the Bible to this part of the Bible, that much, that much of the Bible deals with our problem. And our problem is that we are sinful and separated because we wanted to go our own way. God created us. We, we take our own path. We want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that begins to break our, that not begin, that instantly breaks our relationship with him. And so the rest, this much of the Bible, is as God is preparing to do the second big job that he's going to do. And that second big job is to send the solution, which is his son. And in John chapter 5, we have Jesus talking about that process. It gets him in trouble every time he does it. The Jewish leadership do not like when he does this. And in John chapter 5, verse 17, here's what Jesus tells them. Jesus answered them and says, My father is working until now, and I am working. And so the story we have is that from the creation, the fall of man, all the way to when Jesus comes, God is at work doing what needs to be done to get us back into that right relationship with him. And then we have in John chapter 19, just a few verses later, where Jesus on the cross in John 19, 30, chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And so the two major works of God are creation and redemption. And both stories start with Him. It's not about us. It's about what God does and what we enter into. And so the beginning of understanding the book of Ephesians is to understand that God is the one who's primarily at work, not us. Now, the second thing, God's mystery. Now, I hear Alec would tell you this. I think he's, hopefully he said what I'm going to say, he said from up here. And that is, our faith is filled with issues of tension. You can find, okay, marriage, it's a big one. It's called the greatest mystery. It's through a marriage God reveals the Father and the Son and the Spirit reveals the Trinity working together in harmony through a husband and a wife. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit, follow, be in right relationship with your husbands, which is the picture of a harmonious relationship with God the Father and God the Son. 
That's a bit of a mystery. There's mystery all through the Bible. And learning to live in that tension, trusting Him to lead us, I believe that's what we as a community of faith need to do. Well, today, in this section, there's plenty of mystery. Because looking at chapter 2, verse 5, here's where the mystery starts to unfold. He says, even when we were dead in our trespasses. So what's my dear friend here done so far? Nothing. He, according to the Bible, he's dead and he's trespassing. He's dead in what separates him from God. He's dead. That's what sin does to us. Book of Romans says, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In chapter 6, it says, for the wages of what we get from sin is death. Paul says it again. He says, we were dead in our disobedience, in our trespass against God. Even when we're dead, God, we're back to him being first. God made us alive together with Christ. We start our relationship with God because of him. Now, notice that he doesn't say we were born in him. He doesn't start there. Now, we were born separated. We were born because of the curse of sin that's on us. So our beginning is we're born separated. That's why when, John, when Pete, Jesus, let me get my names right. When Jesus was with Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, don't you understand? You've studied the Word of God. Don't you know you've got to be born again? And Nicodemus said, what are you talking about? I don't understand. How in the world can I do that? Well, the mystery is that's what God does. And as we have God speak to our hearts, as we realize that we are dead, we are separated from Him, and we turn to Him, He brings life to us. That first mystery is that God makes us alive in Him, together with Christ. By grace, by that gift, we have been saved. But He doesn't stop. The mystery is we're made alive, but then my friend here, once he's been made alive, is then raised up in him the same of what happened at the resurrection 2,000 years ago. And this is where the mystery gets a little unusual. How can, how can we believe that our dear brother here was raised up in Christ once he's been made alive in him. He's repented. He's turned to Christ. He was raised up in him at the resurrection. That's something we have to believe. You can't prove it. But that's what Paul says. That's what Jesus did for every one of us that start our relationship with God. We are in Christ at the resurrection. Now, today I'm illustrating being seated. Guess what? A month from today... We're all going to go to Lake Wabunsi. I hope it's all of us. And when we get there, we are going to, we're going to demonstrate again. We're going to illustrate that reality in baptism because we're going to show that a person was in a grave. And when in that grave, we're not going to hold them down too long. But they're dead in him. But because of all that he's done, they are raised up. They come out of that grave because they are raised up in Him, and we are celebrating that reality for every one of us that turn to Him, where we agree with Him that we were separated and we want that relationship. He says, I'm making you alive in Christ. I'm raising you up with Christ. And now the third. The third miracle. 
is it says, and he seated us. Now, I've talked to you before about English verbs. This is a passive verb. It's, did you notice he didn't seat himself? That's why I needed Jordan to be doing what he did. We've got to have some ushering going on. I mean, the miracle is, is that God took us in Christ and brought us to the heaven. Who knows? I've not been there yet, but I'm believing God's word that in that heavenly place with him, we are, I am, you who are believers, and this man are seated in him. Now, being seated in him is serious stuff. Because remember, I started by saying a lot of people think the Christian faith is a do. It's a big do. Now, and last two weeks ago when I was here, I talked to you a whole bunch about walking worthy. We walk after we've been seated. After we're started in Him, that's when we walk. We don't earn our way into heaven. We get into heaven because of God's grace. We get into a relationship with Him because of what He did on the cross. The fact that we've been raised with Him. We're, we've got new lives. We've got a new understanding, a new spirit that's made alive. And then this last part is we sit down. We are seated. It's not a command. It's not an imperative verb. It's a passive verb that we were led and we were put in Him and seated in Him. And so that mystery that you can't see it, I don't know about you, but you know what? Yesterday, I didn't feel very seated. Uh, yesterday came home. We continue to have a problem in our house. We've got a leak around a window. Uh, we haven't patched it yet. We've had the guys out. Stuff's come off the wall. We're probably going to end up cutting sheetrock, tearing a window out of my house to find out this problem. Life happens Issues come, but the reality is that I'm, first of all, I'm not alone. Secondly, I am in Him, and I can still find rest. I can still find my place in all that He wants to do with me, through me, for me, while I live here on this earth. Now, that's a mystery, and that mystery, we're going to have to take it by faith. But if God did raise Jesus from the dead, what was it last week? Garen, I think I heard in the report last week that the Saudi who said the Christian faith is built on the resurrection. Now, there's a Muslim who's figured out to understand our faith, we've got to realize that Jesus was dead. He came back from the dead. He is alive today, and he takes us in him. We've been resurrected and now seated with him. That mystery is what we got to take by faith. And Garen, just to hear about that person, I'm so glad we get to pray for him because he's at the very core of what we believe and pray that he would discover that. And so God's mystery, those three things, that we were made alive in Christ, we've been raised up in Christ, and now we're seated in Christ. And the next thing is that position is crystal clear. That's why when we sing what we've been singing about him, you know, he is the central part of our faith, our position with Him. Look at what it says in chapter 2, 5. goes on. He made us alive, alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. You've been raised up with Him. And we've been seated with Him. Now, I thought of it. 
you know, I thought about doing two things today. One, I thought about the chair. I didn't know I was going to get here in the chair to see you seated. But here's the second thing I thought about doing, and I chose not to do it. If I took a magazine and I put a $100 bill in this magazine or this piece of paper and then lit it on fire, what happens to the $100 bill? It burns. It's going to be just like what's in the, it's on the inside of the magazine. The magazine burns. And what do we have left? We have ashes. Now, y'all, that's what us being in Christ is. We are in Him. And everything that He is, everything that He wants to do, everything that He wants to accomplish starts with us in Him, not us trying to get Him to do something, not us trying to live in front of Him. It's we discover where He is and what He is doing, and we are seated right there in Him. So our position, God's work of what He's done with creation and redemption, God's mystery and that position of us in Him for that mystery. And now let's look and see what is God's intention. Down in verse 7. So that in the coming ages, He, God, might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Now, church, I've read an awful lot. but I mean, and I've been up here and I've talked to you about heaven. And I can't wait. I really can't. It seems like every day I kind of look forward to it a little bit more. To be in His presence and all that we're going to get, all that we're going to experience with Him. And so Paul says... That so that in the coming ages, and we could all think that the coming ages are going to be heaven, but I want to propose to you that it's not the coming ages in heaven. I want to propose to you the coming ages is next week. The future time from today right now, as we're hearing this truth of us being in Christ, what He wants to do into the future, into your life, into the coming age that's coming, He wants to show the immeasurable riches. How many accountants? I own it. If you're an accountant, if you've got a degree in accounting, I want to get them up. Uh, good, now come on. Don't be sh- up. I mean, it's up. The elbow is completely, there's one. Only get one? Idiot. Oh, there's two. Good. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you owning it. We've got a couple of accountants in here. Now, accountants, let me ask you. When you count, is that important? Yeah, and you like to get accurate numbers, right? You want them to be measurable. And so this last week when we're doing budget and we're hearing what we're spending at our six seminaries, I'll guarantee you there were people in that room who were looking at that bottom line and asking them some questions. How are we measuring what we're spending? Do we have money left over? Did we burn it all? Now, accountants and their SLS, I want us to get happy. Because Paul chooses a great word, the immeasurable riches. Now, I don't know anybody. I mean, we got some rich people in this world. And uh, somebody gets around those rich people, and they start counting in that little back room, and you can measure how much riches, how much they've got by adding the value of their stock today, what's in their bank accounts, and everything that's going on. But you know what? While we're seated in Him, He wants the world to know 
that underneath us are M, M, not countable, not, you can't add it up, riches that we have in God. Now, I want you to, I want to ask you, do you believe that? Because if you believe that, because I want to believe that, I believe that gives us a message to a broken world that is looking for some hope. A broken world that life's not really good these days. And yet we've got the message of what God wants to do, not what we have to do. Get the order of the words here. What God wants to do is to, He wants to do the showing of His immeasurable riches that are around us that show how good His grace is. And so that's why our faith is not a go, you go be and do. You go do stuff so we can prove how good you are. Our faith is that God has done it and He wants to show how big, how immeasurable, how rich His grace is towards us that are in Him, seated in that heavenly place. Now, just think about the world, how we enjoy creation. Don't we enjoy a good sunrise, a good sunset? Don't we enjoy? I mean, it was, Jordan, you were just out in the Rocky Mountains, I'll bet you. When you got to Lyman, Colorado, when you got in that one little spot where you start seeing, usually it's Pikes Peak over there, you start seeing those mountains, people kind of get excited about it. Hey, we're headed to the mountains. We enjoy God's creation. Now, if that of what God did, just think about what He wants to do through your life, through the lives of this church, where people... He wants to communicate to a lost world through you. And it's not you trying to make it up. You just be you. You learn what it is to be in Him and God's riches of His grace over our broken lives. That's what gets communicated. And we've got the Holy Spirit ahead of us doing it. And so God's intentionality of what He's up to is making much about Himself. And He's inviting us to be in that. And so finally, the other day, it was one of my first, maybe it was my first time to share with you. I, I told you about an author that I really like. His name is Max Dupree. He wrote the book, The Art of Leadership. And in that book, he defines that leaders define reality. Well, guess what? We got, we got a definition of reality right here that we need, to, we need to listen to. We don't define it. God defines it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, God's definition, and look what he says. He says, church, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. The very end there, God does not I mean, he's not going to have any boasting in heaven. We're going to get to heaven, and there's not going to be one word of, I did this. We're just not going to say that. We're going to say, he did. It's all going to be about him. And we're going to see how rich his grace has been. It's so rich, you can't count it. And that definition of us in him, by his grace, we have been brought into that personal relationship with him. That's the part that gets us started in the book of Ephesians is us being seated in Christ. Next week, I start my first verb. It's going to be the verb blessed. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. I'm going to wear the word out. Y'all come. Discover what blessings are. And so what God wants us to do is to discover His work. And so our growing up, first of all, is to believe that He works. There is a God. There's a God who's active. There's a God who's intentional. There's a God who is at work. And His work contains mystery. And I want to invite you, just ask you, are you okay with the mystery? You don't get much of a choice. We have to be. We get to walk with Him in life and discover those tension points of being in Christ, being seated in Him, even when we don't feel like it. We didn't do a thing. He's the one that did all this, that mystery. And then His intentionality of making His grace known to a lost world. And so what's our response? Well, here's what I want to share with you today. I believe there's a process. That process is a three-word process of our relationship with God. You don't do this one time. I'm doing this today. And here the three-word process is, what do we know? And then what do we believe? And then have I received it or have I accepted it? Have I embraced it? Many, many of us in this room, I trust today, what I've talked through, you've known it for a long time. You've known there is a God. You know there's a God who works, and there's a God who redeemed you. He brought you into relationship with Him, not because of you, but because of Him. But there may be some today that are just now beginning to figure that out. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And so as you begin to know things, then we've got the responsibility of saying, do I believe it? Do I, that mystery, do I believe that I'm seated in Christ when I don't see it or feel it? The fact is, he said it, my feelings don't connect with that, but I've got to take my faith in the Word of God that he means what he says. And so, what you know, what you've heard today, I want to ask you, do you believe that? And then once you believe it, Day by day, I mean, the first time for me it started, I, I've told you my day, it was January 22nd, 1972, at about 3.30 in the afternoon at Moore Hall 303. For me, that's where I understood it for the first day. I said, God, I really do believe that, and I received it. I took it. I said, God, I want to receive. Now, on that day, I'll guarantee you, I did not know about being seated in Christ on that day, but I've since learned that, and I'm by faith saying, Lord, I want to be seated, just like my friend here seated in Him. I want to receive Your presence in my life. I want You, by faith, I want You to be recognized for the immeasurable goodness of Your grace. And so, church, the body of Christ. Now, Al's a good man, but Al did not build this. The Holy Spirit's up to work in Emporia. He did not make a mistake of Your address and You being a part of this group Wherever you are, some of you have been in this church a long, long time. Some of you are just now getting started. But this family of faith that he has in Emporia, Kansas, do you believe that he is working through you? I want to invite you to be a part of that. Because he's, he's writing a story that you can't write. But that story is him with you in the life he's called you to. 
And so that process of knowing, learning, believing, and then receiving it, I want to invite you to do that today. Just say, Lord, wherever, what's going on in your heart, as we stand in just a moment and as I lead you in prayer, I want to ask that you just whisper in your heart, God, that's true for me. I receive being seated. I receive being raised up with a new life. I want to believe you and not the lies that I hear in my head about how I'm not a part of a relationship with you. I have been made new on the inside. So I want to ask you to stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And you can stand. Now you can stand. (laughs) So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Father, this morning, together as your people in this place, we praise you. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you because of your grace that we did not deserve. We didn't earn it. You gave your son. You have us in him with the resurrection. We've been made alive with him. And Father, you've seated us in him. And today, Father, we want to receive that. We want to embrace that. We want that to be our experience of knowing you better and better. And then, Father, I want to ask that your immeasurable riches of your goodness could be made known through this group of people, this your body in Emporia, Kansas, here and beyond, that, God, you would use this church for your glory. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And so my benediction for today is one that I have mentioned before, 2 Timothy 2.2. So church, the things that you've heard from me today in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to take these things and entrust them to other people who will be able to teach others also. So church, go be the church. You're dismissed. Oh.